Hey, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. And today I'm talking to my friend, Justin of Longesity Org, which is still, it remains the internet's best anti-aging longevity, dare I even say biohacking forum. Hey, Justin, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that very positive introduction. Uh, yeah, it is uh, pretty active with, you know, some of the bleeding edge, I guess, activities people are doing to try and extend their lives. You know, you find it first at longevity before it kind of gets out into the wider community. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you saw a post that I did in the LinkedIn anti-aging group that I moderate. And what I said was that I am impressed with the, I'm impressed with the moderation of longevity, that it's, it seems to be one of the very few places on the internet where there's a, where there's a balance in between uh, free speech and free speech, frank discussion, and between um, the platform just becoming like inundated with, uh, with spam and uh, conspiracy theories and kind of like extremist kind of views. And right. it seems like about 99% of the internet either falls into like one of those two extremes mm -hmm. that they either clamp down and there's no free speech, or it ends up kind of just, it, it, it ends up being, you know, the, uh, the equivalent of uh, kind of the, 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 the Star Wars cantina there on, uh, there on mm -hmm. Tatooine. It ends sure. up being a, a, a hive of scum and villainy. And longevity seems to have found that uh, golden uh, Aristotelian uh, mean somewhere. So I appreciate it. So I, I appreciate that. And uh, that is uh, no doubt due to uh, some of your uh, uh, sustained efforts. Well, uh, low these low these many years. I think I think you have been biohacking for even longer than I have at this point. Is it is it since 2007? Is it that long? Uh, more like about 2001, 2002. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. Well, you, you look good. You look good. Tell me, <laughs> well, thank you. Tell me about what are the biohacks and things that are on your radar that you're doing personally in 2022? Well, I'll tell you what, I continue to take, you know, various supplements, you know, minerals and types, things like that, uh, that have, you know, some proven efficacy for at least slowing down aging. You know, I'm a little bit disappointed in the 20 years now uh, that, that's all we have basically are things that can slow down aging, uh, just to a little degree, just like everyone. Uh, a lot of people like to think that they can just pop a pill and, and hopefully get better and be healthier, you know? So I kind of top up a couple of nutrients that maybe I'm not getting because I'm a little bit older, you know, like your body doesn't digest, uh, B12 or absorb B12 as good as it did when it was younger. So, you know, I might take a little B12 once in a while, uh, but otherwise standard stuff like fish oil, and CoQ10, I take um, lately a little bit more vitamin K with, you know, KD, magnesium nexus there for heart health. Um, I've been taking those as supplements in uh, anti-inflammatories like cu uh, curcumin uh, supplements that yep. are anti-inflammatory because of course there's been a lot of research out there that shows that if you can tamp down inflammation, that's a good thing for the body. And uh, I'm going to try a course of uh, fisetin uh, this year. Uh, uh, to take it for a week, 
measure some biomarkers and see if it, it really has uh, much of an effect on senolytic or senescent activity in my body, you know? So uh, there's, there's, you know, I figure pretty good research behind uh, senolytics and the idea of getting rid of a few senescent cells as you get older. I'm in my low fifties. So I, something that got to think about a little bit. So I was thinking about trying that. Otherwise my main hacks would have. I saw you mention uh, the open cures platform and Fisetin. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, the, well, the Open Gears platform. Yeah, I mentioned I was going to try a little experiment uh, and use the Open Gears platform to track my data. Uh, I've got a video coming out with the founders of Open Gears uh, to let you know uh, all about it, what it's about, and it's a free platform for longevity members that uh, you can use to track biomarker data, and you can create little experiments that other people can join in. You can create protocols so that everyone's following the same protocol. It's a real powerful graphical tool where you can graph uh, all of your biomarker data and then you can uh, correlate it and do linear regression and different things like that. So you can get a lot of insights into uh, what you're tracking and whether or not you're doing any good. Um, So yeah, they've really got a good idea there going uh, over at Open Cures. And I was just hoping to use it, uh, that platform to track this particular Fisetin little experiment I was going to do just to give Open Cures more exposure as well. Sure. Tell, tell us a little bit about Fisetin. That's one that I'm actually not familiar with. Yeah, it's a polyphenol. Um, it's uh, derived from, uh, you can get it, it's in, in high quantities in strawberries. <laughs> if you eat 100 grams of strawberries, uh, you can get the same effect as a little Fisetin pill. Um, so it's a plant extract and it's a, it's had some very good studies behind it so far. Uh, with mice and other lower organisms. And there's in fact a Mayo Clinic trial going on right now uh, regarding Fisetin. Um, So it's a plant extract. It has high senolytic capabilities um, as far as they think that it can really destroy senescent cells more selectively or uh, to a greater degree than almost any other plant extract or any natural extract. You know, some people take the, uh, what is it? Denacetib and quercetin combo or denacetib and azithromax or whatever it is, azithromycin. For, um, for COVID, I believe. That's the context I've heard about those two. Yeah, the denacetib and quercetin, though, is for uh, senescent cells in particular. Uh-huh. Um, and some people have tried that. There have been some results reported on it that suppose, I mean, I just heard secondhand that it turned out positive, a net positive, because Dinastib is, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Some other people, some podcast listeners can correct me later. <laughs> they can put in the comments, right? Uh, uh, it's a chemotherapeutic drug, you know, but at low doses, it's senolytic. Well, that, which kind of makes sense. Uh, chemotherapy drugs, you know, kill cells, right? And denastib um, uh, specifically can kill senescent cells. So some people took it with, I believe, quercetin. Some people might have uh, not taken azithromycin with that. Um, but azithromycin is apparently another senolytic uh, therapeutic uh, that's also a antibiotic. So um, it, they're trying a bunch of different things, but Fisetin, I thought I'll give that a try because it's a naturally occurring plant, plant extract. Um, so natural usually I think is less, uh, you know, chance of uh, causing some sort of other disruptive harm in your body. 
yeah, a whole lot more favorable risk reward trade-off than mm. azithromycin. And, and I have some azithromycin here, but mm. uh, yeah, I don't think I would touch it unless I was about to die from an infection. Yeah, infection, sure. But some people are taking low dose azithromycin and they're taking the low dose denastib um, uh, or dacetinib. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it, um, along with quercetin. Uh, and to try and, of course, um, remove senescent cells. So that's what I'm going to try and do and see if there's any biomarkers I can measure that would show any kind of improvement, less inflammation uh, after doing the Fisetin trial. Yeah. And the open cures that is measuring, is it like, is it blood markers exclusively or are people well, also using it for more subjective type of type subjective? Of and objective biomarkers. You can ah, add your okay. own subjective um, tags to your data. So say you have um, you know, DNA methylation data or you have blood tests or something and you have it all graphed and then you can put certain tags on there like say, on March 5th, um, I got divorced and I'm, now I'm depressed, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that, because that That'll can have an effect know, on your biology. You know how that can change things, right? Uh, you can put Per, you know, little tags like last night I didn't, or, or uh, your sleep quality. You can say, well, I didn't sleep for two nights in a row hardly. Uh, and then you know that maybe that's going to affect your biomarkers. You can put all these tags on all of these graphs that you can create at Open Cures that kind of give you a better, more comprehensive uh, idea of how you're doing. Yeah, there is some value in uh, tracking of subjective, of subjective measurements of things in one's life. And it, it reveals, yeah, it reveals interesting things. Like I have a real recent example of this. I do cycles of using nicotine, of using nicotine in a USP type solution. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't vape, uh, I don't smoke, of course. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't even like the the gum or the spray. I'll take these little drops of it mm. underneath my tongue, and it's and it's an incredible smart drug. It can uh, stimulate all sorts of creativity. And my research thus far on nicotine has led me to believe that the the nicotine itself is probably relatively low risk. But I make sure that I cycle off of it like uh, once a month, every two months or so, because otherwise you just get totally addicted to the stuff and you run into the tolerance yeah. curve and it's not it's quite one of, It's one of the more addictive drugs uh, of all, uh, nicotine. Um, I know I've from watching and reading about addiction and treatments. And they said the, the, the people who treat people with various addictions say nicotine takes on average the longest to get over, <laughs> you know, they said it takes like 25 years on average to kick the nicotine habit for people. Yeah, I think there's something about taking it in the USP solution that at least for me is less habit forming. Because yeah, I think a lot of people who smoke, the habit is just finding something for their mind and their hands to do. You know, the nicotine right. might be slightly addictive anyway, um, but it's just gets into be a habit forming where it's a social thing almost in, in, that amplifies the addictive nature maybe. Yeah. And I, I was a smoker. I think I had my last uh, cigarette at some crazy party on the beach in <laughs> Costa Rica years and years and years ago. I was, I was a smoker 
But I now, I no longer have uh, cravings ever, even if I'm drinking and around people smoking because of, I think because of my USP solution, nicotine intake, I think I've kind of reprogrammed that serotonin pathway so that I no longer, yeah, it's no longer appealing um, at all. At, at, at all to me. Um, the, the interesting finding though, as far as uh, self-quantification or as, far, or as far as just kind of self-monitoring is that I do notice when I go off of the nicotine that I get a bit more disciplined about all these other little habits that kind of keep me as a productive, energetic, happy kind of guy. Because the, the nicotine can be it's, it's stimulating. It supports the mood. And when I'm not using it, I, yeah, I find that I actually, I get better about, um, for example, doing uh, body weight exercises during, during the day when I'm here in my home office, or I get more consistent about uh, doing things like taking cold showers or doing meditation when, when I go off of it. So it's interesting how, and I wouldn't really, if I wasn't, I use coach.me, which is this app where you can keep track of all your habits. And if I wasn't doing some tracking of my habits that way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that something that I uh, love that's 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 totally stimulating. It's, it could be an awesome smart drug, but it it has this subtle effect of it seemingly making me a little bit less disciplined, which just kind of underlies the importance of uh, of of cycling it. Which is that probably generalizes a bit to many of the nootropics that are out there. Yeah. Before we move on to anything else, I just want to say before we got into this discussion, I was going to say my main life hacks though, are trying to get a little more sleep, uh, to stay healthy. And then mm -hmm. also I do the intermittent fasting or the restricted time eating. I usually eat for about four hours out of the day, three to four hours. And then I go 20 hours fast, um, uh, water fast or coffee fast, you know, things like that, no calories. Um, uh, and then also exercise is always important. I, I try and keep up on that. Um, because if there's one thing that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of studies that <laughs> indicate that exercise is probably the magic bullet for keeping you healthy into older years before, you know, maybe some rejuvenation re treatments uh, arrive. So I do like to keep active in that way. Yeah. Tell us about the sleep hacks. Tell us about yeah. your before bed regimen. Well, I, I guess the main regimen I have is turning down the lights you know, to keep it a little bit darker. And then also I do a certain routine, like uh, take a shower, brush my teeth. Then I stretch out. Um, I stretch out um, my legs mainly, you know, just kind of go through a few stretching routines. It kind of relaxes me. And then I do take melatonin and some other, uh, you know, herbal sleep aids, uh, nothing in particular that really, I could say really works all that well. Um, the 5-HT, 5-HTP and the ashwagandha and things like that are in some of these, you know, kind of over-the-counter herbal mixtures that say they help you sleep better. I think those help me get to sleep quick, but the length of my sleep has not really improved all that much. No matter how much I try, I get three, four hours of, of good sleep, maybe a night uh, where I, uh, I know that I've slept soundly. 
And the rest of the time, it's kind of restless. You know, I might stay in bed six, seven hours, um, but it's really restless. Now, the thing is, uh, some sleep experts say that, well, there's just a few people that are outliers that can survive and thrive on three to four hours of sleep. You know, you've heard of some people like Elon Musk or something like that, who they say that they don't sleep all that much. And I don't know, I'm maybe I'm that in that crowd. I do not know for sure because I try to get eight hours of sleep. I would really love to fall asleep and then wake up in the morning and be like, boom, I just got such a nice long sleep last night. But instead I get three or four hours of sleep and I wake up and I'm like, well, time to go to work, you know, and I'm, I'm fine. I go through the whole day. I don't need to take a nap most days or anything like that. Um, and so I'm basically awake for 18, 19 hours a day at least. And doesn't seem to bother me, but I do like taking the sleep supplements because they help me get to sleep faster. There was a point in my life where uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I, I had trouble getting to sleep. Um, but now that's not so much of a problem. Are you using something like an aura ring to quantify and measure REM? I would like to. I, I think that's what I'm going to do eventually here very soon, uh, just to see how much REM sleep I'm getting, you know, uh, or the, the, the real true quality of my sleep. All I'm going by is I fall asleep at a certain time of night. And if I, the first time I wake up in the middle of the night, I look at the clock and it's been three hours of sleep. That's it. Or four hours of sleep. And then the rest of the night, I just kind of, kind of restless in and out of light sleep, it seems, but maybe I'm going back to bed and I'm getting another 30 minutes of REM sleep, you know, and then I wake up and I get another, you know, 30 minutes of REM sleep. I don't know. Uh, or maybe, you know, I really doubt I have sleep apnea, um, because other people who have been around me when I'm sleeping and stuff have never said that, you know, I'm waking up every minute or every five minutes or I'm, I, I don't snore or anything like that. So I really doubt I have sleep apnea because I usually do sleep for three or four hours where it feels like I've slept, you know, deep sleep. And you're making sure to turn off your Wi-Fi before bed. Yeah. You know what I do sometimes that helps me get to sleep is listen to some uh, kind of dry, boring um, science papers, lectures, podcasts. <laughs> You know, yeah, sure. because a lot, of course. A, a lot of scientists have, you know, just kind of monotone voices, you know, and I start listening for the first four minutes, of course, and then boom, I'm asleep because they're, they're just, you know, I, so the phone is nearby, but I'm not looking at it. I'm just, it's, it, the light is not affecting me. I got headphones, you know, um, so then I fall asleep and I, at some point, I throw off the headphones and, you know, but that, that typically gets me to sleep a little bit quicker too. Sure. Yeah. I suggest getting an aura ring. That's going to probably be my next biohacking tech purchase. You know how, uh, how, how expensive they are. I haven't really looked at the price on those. Okay. I think they're like couple a couple hundred, hundred bucks? couple hundred bucks brand new, or you can get them off eBay for like 150, I think. And then do you have to sign up to a subscription service to get your data or something like that? No, I don't think so. No? I think oh, it's just good. an app. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. No, thank you to yet another subscription service, right? Yeah, you know, I don't like those so much. I'd rather have the device and have the data right here on my computer or my phone, right? I don't want to go and put my data on their cloud service. And that is reporting back to their cloud service on everything I'm doing, you know, whatever the provider is. I know they like that type of service because it makes them a lot more money, but I would rather buy the thing and have it and then just go through the 
you know, procedure and protocol and get the data and everything. Oh, I suspect that with Aura, I suspect there is, I, I don't think it's an ongoing payment that you have to pay mm -hmm. them, but I do suspect that they put your data in the cloud somewhere. Although I would like to think, okay, I need to, I clearly, I need to uh, research and review the Aura, but I would think that they would um, have your data protected appropriately. Yeah, you would hope so. <laughs> you would hope so. But I, Anytime it leaves my uh, sphere, my my devices, then I always get a little bit worried. Sure, sure. You know what? Let me. I'm going to look into this, and I will follow up with you and everyone else. Maybe I can. Yeah. I'll leave a note. I'll leave a note in the show notes for this podcast episode cool. about the status of their uh, data protection. Um, because yeah, the the measure that measuring is is super important because it I. The, I was talking to my friend, uh, Lucas, Lucas Hayun in Australia, who's also a Longevity Forum member. And he was telling me that interestingly enough, he actually got his very best ever REM sleep score with his Aura ring when he was on BPC-157, which is, um, that kind of surprised me because BPC-157 is not... Uh, just not traditionally thought of as a, as a sleep hack. Mm -hmm. um, but he said that resulted in just, yeah. in just phenomenal um, REM, which is kind of like, if you're, if you're getting that much REM, then you're, you, you might not need to sleep quite so many, you might not need so much time True. horizontal if you can really optimize that, that REM. And by mm -hmm. the way, for people who are, for, for anyone who's curious, the way, one of the ways you can tell if you're getting good, if you're getting REM is if you're dreaming, uh, dreaming occurs during REM sleep. So if you're, if, if you're like, I never have dreams, like obviously you're, unless you're a lucid dreamer, you're probably not going to remember all the intimate details of your dreams. But if you're like a person who's like, I remember dreaming when I was a kid, but I can't, I can't think of any dream that I've had recently, then that's kind of, then that's probably a sign that you're bereft of REM sleep and that you need to implement more, uh, more sleep hacks, uh, which would, yeah. and especially the, or what I, what I, I was having actually a, dis, there was a discussion on longevity where someone was asking how to prevent REM sleep. Oddly enough. And I was like, I can tell you exactly how to prevent REM sleep. Alcohol. <laughs> Alcohol <laughs> works great. Uh, we, I, I mean, I enjoy a drink every once in a while, just like anybody or just like most people. But uh, yeah, I was like, alcohol, if, if you're having even just a casual little nightcap, then the, that's going to impact that REM, that REM sleep. Yeah, the main way I usually get more than three or four hours of sleep is I really have to um, exhaust myself, both mentally and physically. So if I have a couple of long days at work and plus I'm doing something outside and getting exercise where after a couple of days, I'm like, wow, I am really tired. <laughs> then I might go to sleep. It might happen once a month or something and I'll sleep six, seven hours and I'll wake up and I'll be like, wow, I just slept and I didn't even hardly move all night. I can tell, you know, but that's about lately in the last few years, that's the only way I can get longer amounts of sleep. But I've been going and going with that little amount of sleep, you know, for quite a while and seem to be okay. And you're up there in Hoth-like 
Wisconsin, I yeah. believe. What do you have any seasonal biohacks for wintertime? Do I? Oh, no, not really. Um, in fact, I usually sleep a little bit better in the winter <laughs> uh, because, yeah. uh, you know, but I do try and adapt to the cold. Uh, that's one thing. I, you know, I don't, I haven't gotten the cold shower thing yet, even though I know that it's uh, a neat little hack, but I do go out in the cold and, and, and endure the cold weather. Um, and, you know, or do things like stand on the, stand on the snow or the ice with your bare feet. That's a quick you way do that. to get you. Yeah, well, that's a quick way to get you adapted to the colder weather. And when it starts hitting in the late fall, early winter, it's not really, really bitter cold, but the ground is frozen. If you go and stand out there, then your body adapts to the cold weather um, overall, even though you're just getting your feet ice cold, right? And I find that easier than taking a cold shower <laughs> for the winter time. Um, so that's, you know, a lot of people. Uh, so so you, um, like walk, you like walk out in like, in like late November weather yeah. and you just, uh, go barefoot on your, your patio yeah. and stroll around yeah. the block or something like that. <laughs> well, or just in my yard. Yeah. Uh, just stand there till my feet get cold. And then, uh, you, your body adapts and the rest of the winter, you know, you get more used to it. You know, so many people, um, hibernate during the winter essentially, and they don't like going outside and then they complain about the cold air all the time, but your body is amazingly adaptable to all kinds of different environments, you know, hot, cold, humid, dry. I mean, your body can adapt to a ton and a huge range of heat and cold. And believe it or not, you know, once you get adapted to the cold, I go outside like this morning, it was three below zero Fahrenheit. That is, I don't know what that Celsius, 10 below, 20 below Celsius. Yeah. Wide range of temperatures and uh, humidity and everything. Um, and you know, I adapt to the cold wintertime conditions this morning. It was three below zero and I walked outside and didn't really, I didn't really bother me, uh, three below zero Fahrenheit that is. Um, and early in the winter, of course, that would, you know, cause most people to be like, Oh, so it's awful. It's so cold. Um, but if you get outside your body adapts, and I think it's a good thing to put your body through a range of environmental conditions. So many people that get up in the morning, they're in an air conditioned building and then they go to their air conditioned car and then they go to their air conditioned work and they never experience heat or cold or rarely. And when it does get above say 80 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, then all of a sudden they say, wow, it's terrible. It's so hot. And then uh, they get in uh, some colder weather where it's below zero and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to die. It's so cold. But uh, in reality, your body can adapt to that type of that type of range. Sure. That's that's why I do cold showers oh, about mm -hmm. uh, four or five times a week. And okay. however, what I am lacking is I think what you were describing earlier, which is the, uh, the grounding or the, uh, negative ion exchange where you're, where you're like walking around outside barefoot. And I imagine that there's, I imagine that there's some sort of effect where the, the, uh, electromagnetic field that the earth gives off. I imagine that that changes seasonally and that yeah, when you're, right. that when you're grounding, you probably are, uh, signaling to your body that seasonal change that it can adapt to, but that is, uh, somewhat speculative. And I've read, I've been in some discussions about grounding, you know, and that, you know, people probably evolved to be, uh, in very good connection with the earth ground, you know, that, that electrical potential, 
their feet were always in contact with the ground. And now we are not in contact with the ground. And some people say perhaps that has some uh, some effect on our ill health around the world nowadays is that we uh, are never grounded. Uh, we have rubber-soled shoes, right, that walk around in all the time. And some people use grounding mats, I know, when they sleep and things like that. Uh, I don't have to worry about that because I'm always touching the ground because during the winter, you know, I might be outside doing things um, with, you know, cutting wood or doing other types of activities like that. Or in the summer, I do a lot of gardening. So I'm always touching the ground and I walk around barefoot in the summer as well. So I'm not too worried about uh, my electrical potential not being uh, like it's evolved to be within my body. Right on. And, and please don't lose a, a finger cutting that wood. I know I put on the safety equipment, you know, uh, that's something I think about more nowadays than when I was younger. I mean, we talk about lifestyle hacks and different things you can do to stay young and stay healthy and things like that. Um, but you also have to worry about accidents. The longer you live, the more likely you are going to get into some sort of serious accident. Right. Um, so it pays to keep, uh, that in mind when you're doing activities, like I, I, I run a chainsaw, you know, and I put on, uh, a safety, uh, you know, kind of garb that has uh, ripstop nylon on it. And then I wear the helmet, you know, and different things and they put leather gloves on. So I try and stay safe in that regard. Yeah. It's probably not terribly stylish, but <laughs> nope, it may, nope. it, it may be the, the unexpected uh, longevity, longevity hack that uh, gets you, <laughs> gets, that gets, 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 gets us to the, uh, the future where we will have uh, hopefully ended the blight of involuntary death. Yes, that's right. So on, on that front, you mentioned uh, the Open Cures platform, which I will check out. What else is new at Longevity? Well, there isn't a whole lot new. I just want to give people up to date on what we do do. Nowadays, we primarily are trying to fund research uh, more than anything else. Um, and we have six affiliate labs around the world that we've kind of identified as specifically focusing on rejuvenation, not just you know, healthy aging or being healthy, but specifically rejuvenation. Um, so we give uh, grants to those labs every year. And then we also gave a large grant a couple of years ago to Open Cures to get them, kind of help them get off the ground. Uh, so that's a platform that we hope that it will take off because uh, even though we're not exactly hosting it, Longevity is not hosting the platform, uh, our members can use it. Other people can use it as well, hopefully in the future where uh, everyone can collaborate on lifestyle hacks and different therapeutics and different things that might help out with rejuvenation. So that's one big effort that we've done. And in conjunction with that, we are still offering people money uh, for their N1 experiments. Um, now it can't just be, you know, I'm going to go eat some willow bark and see how I feel. Uh, that's not what we're going to pay for. But um, Longevity does offer uh, money for testing and for um, reporting uh, your results um, if you wanted to design a well thought out uh, N1 kind of biohack. Let's say there's some new, like the Fisetin, Senolytic. Uh, or there's something else that you're going to do, some meditation or something, and you're going to uh, measure specifically, you know, different biomarkers or something, and you were you had a good plan of how it was going to happen. Long well, Jesse will offer uh, some funding uh, for you to get your testing done and, th and different things. Um, so that's one thing. It's the base program, which stands for 
biomarkers of aging, self-experimentation. So Please people who program. have- Okay, yep. I'm going to link to that along with opencures.org. Yeah. Well, that'd be great. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, yeah. And uh, otherwise, I, I still do the podcast, of course, which I can keep in touch with everyone uh, that's on the forefront of rejuvenation research. And we also run the forums, of course, uh, best we can to keep that, like you mentioned early on, the balance between being able to explore odd and unique and new ideas and also to try and keep uh, spam from coming on into the forum. Uh, so that's one thing that we're doing. Um, and then there, there's a couple other things that are in the works, in the background, let's say, that we haven't officially announced yet, but uh, hopefully this year we can uh, let out some more details about that. Okay, perhaps some of the listeners' ears perked up at the mention of the base program, you know, because we are now in this uh, this great reset economy where there's uh, <laughs> where there seems the the job opportunities, the economic <sighs> outlook is 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 not sunny. So there's right. probably some some self quantifiers out there that are uh, that are very open, that are very open to uh, opportunities to get compensated a little bit for their uh, self-experimentation and uh, right. meticulous documentation of it. Yeah, they can they can contact me about that too. Um, we were hoping for the last couple of years to get a lot of takers, but we haven't had too many so far. So uh, we still have some funds available for that. Okay, and could I maybe link to an, exa an example of one of those N of one of experiments that someone else has done, which was, which was, which is what you're looking for so that people can get an idea of what they should structure so that they're a good candidate for that? Well, um, yeah, I mean, we have, of course, at Longevity, many people who have tried lots of different things through the years um, that would qualify, you know, anything I, I really can't save anything specific um, that other people have tried. Like I proposed doing the Fisetin trial uh, for myself. And that mm -hmm. would, and just as an example, I posted in the forum saying, okay, this is the, the length of time I'm going to take Fisetin. And this is the measurement I'm going to make to know whether or not it has reduced my senescent cell burden and things like that. So you'd have to have a, a thought out plan, you know, okay. Um, uh, what, is the therapeutic or the hack that I'm going to try? What are the measurements I'm going to make? What's the length of time that I'm going to do it? And then we would review what you have proposed to make sure it makes sense and maybe make some adjustments or you know, maybe you thought you were going to get a DNA methylation test, but instead you should get a glycan age test that would be more specific to the hack that you're doing. You know, So there would be some help along the way as far as, you know, trying to make sure it's a, a good, a good uh, little N1 hack that you're going to do. Sure. Was, was the guy who was reporting on his NMN, N of one experiments, was, was, was he involved? Was this one of these? I couldn't tell you for sure. We had okay. originally, okay. yeah, we had originally um, people, uh, we, we, um, paid for DNA methylation testing back about three years ago. And we had about 40, 30 to 40 people take us up on that offer to get a free DNA methylation test. Um, but then it tapered off after that. So I couldn't tell you, I'd have to look back at the records if someone who had taken NMN also got a DNA methylation test. 
Um, so that was our original start of the base program is just, you do whatever you're doing, we'll pay for a DNA methylation test. But then the following year, we said, hey, well, if you want to do a new hack, uh, you know, just outline your proposal and we can pay for your testing and, and different things, but you have to report it to the community. Of course, that's another requirement is that yep. Uh, yep. after you're done and you get your tests and then you have to report, report it, you know, openly, how did the experiment turn out? Because that's the benefit of, you know, uh, paying for that so that uh, the rest of the world might be able to benefit from what you've done. Sure. Okay. I just got an idea. I just got an idea for this. Okay. Uh, for an N of one experiment that that may be uh, highly uh, timely for for the current year, what if we found somebody that took the COVID vaccines and later regretted it because of side effects, and we um, and we 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 established a, a supplemental. Uh, regimen, or we established several interventions for them to take or use consistently to address uh, persistent side effects from COVID vaccine. And then we had them measure the um, potential improvement that they would have on that, and then publish those kind of results. That could be, that could be like very helpful to yeah, a lot of I, people, I, I might imagine. I could see that being very popular. That's not a bad idea. Um, but I think that we would probably focus more on standard rejuvenation-based therapeutics and hacks ah, instead of, ah, instead of okay. a, a disease protocol kind of thing like that. So, But I like the idea. That is an interesting idea. Okay, okay. I'm going to sleep on that one. I'm going to sleep on that. Of course, me and my wife didn't take that thing, but I'll think about that. I'll think about that. So it would be, yeah. So it would be something like, um, someone who wanted to, uh, use, for example, resveratrol and yeah. pterostilbin, and then they wanted to over time. Well, I mean, what I would think would actually be really interesting with this is to, um, have people get their uh, genotyping done, get like if they're 23 and me done or whatnot, and uh, find out if they had some problematic um, genes that they needed to worry about, and then take a look at the biomarker tests that might be relevant to that, and then implement um, preventative interventions, mm -hmm. and then see how that, that would be the sort of thing that would be like a good that would be useful to the community and might be a good candidate for the space program. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's another good idea. You know, some of the, and every year there's new supplements that come out that are claiming that it's going to, you know, cure everything and rejuvenate you and, and things like that. There's new uh, different types of therapeutics and lifestyle hacks that people try every year. There's something new that people say it's the bomb, you know, uh, any one of those uh, would probably be a potential candidate. Yeah. Okay, cool. Fantastic. I will include a link for that right. in the show notes of this podcast mm -hmm. so that people can get in touch with you or they can apply for that. And if people do want to get in touch with you, the I, I, I have not, never seen you on social media. I think the best place <laughs> to get in touch with you is on Longesi. You, yeah. you don't, you don't yeah. waste go to, time. Go to Longesity. Uh, my handle there is mind. So uh, you can look me up and you can contact me if you had any questions about it. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that would probably be my final call to action to the listeners is to go and join the forum, which is free. And it is one of the places on the internet where you can get your questions answered. There's uh, with a, a, a biohacker or a person who is passionate about their own health is um, constantly presented with this uh, challenge of, um, of, of, of empiricism, of trying to ascertain the truth about things in regards to their health, in regards to science. And, th- and the biohacker is engaged in asymptotically approaching the truth. We are never going to grasp the whole truth in our hands, but we can, we can approach it. We can do our, our damnedest to approach it. And what's useful in that is doing things like reading books, uh, reading science, reading the science that we could find maybe on PubMed, um, going and listening to experts, um, going and talking to a doctor and then getting a second opinion of what that doctor says. And so along with these approaches, along with these tools for approaching the truth, we also want to avail ourselves of the wisdom of crowds. Sometimes we want to go to forums and ask people's opinion and you, and, and you can get wrong information this way. Just uh, go on, go, go on Reddit and ask for people's advice on Reddit. And you're uh, guaranteed to encounter that, uh, that uh, 90, 10 proportion of, of, of 10% useful, 90% crap. Um, and so I would suggest that people have arm, that p- people have longevity as part of that armamentarium of being able to ascertain the truth when it comes to science and health stuff. It can be uh, it can be useful. Yeah, and I just want to fi- uh, wrap it up by uh, saying too that um, you know a lot of people don't have the means to participate in trials or do different lifestyle hacks or things like that. But uh, you certainly can talk about <laughs> rejuvenation, life extension, and limitless. Uh, you know, mindset. Um, you, you can talk about it. You can share the videos and share the podcast and, and join in on the discussion. It all helps a lot, even if you don't have the financial means to contribute to research or things like that. Um, just talking about it and sharing it and, and things like that uh, is tremendous. And that's what we've been doing for years and years. I know you and myself, uh, and I think it's helping. Okay, great, great. Well, Justin, in closing, I challenge you to take a cold shower. <laughs> the bit, the worst I've ever done, or what I like better is jumping into cold water. I do the uh, polar plunge once in a while where you cut a hole in the ice and you jump in the, the really? frozen lake. Yeah. And then the Great Lakes uh, here in the US, even in the middle of summer, uh, Lake Superior might only be about three, four degrees Celsius you know, 40 degrees Celsius, like in June or July, and you can jump in. It's almost like jumping in a frozen lake. So that I do, I do that. It's easier for me than taking a cold shower because okay. it's kind of a, it's kind of a boom, you're in and you're cold, you swim to shore, you know, and then it, it, that's the cold shower is a tough one for me. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, that, that but I'll take up the challenge. I'll take up the challenge. Okay. I like it. The, the cold plunging you're describing is that that's actually more hardcore than what I do to be, to be <laughs> frank. <laughs> okay, great. Great chatting. Look forward to yes. a continued conversation with you yeah. and everyone else. Keep up the good work. Keep, yeah, keep up the good work. <laughs>